because it's Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's so glad to have you here with us again this morning. We gather this morning to celebrate the fulfillment of the promise that the light that we have longed for in the darkness of Advent has finally come. God himself has come into the flesh to make his home in our world. And in doing that, uh, he is coming through on all the promises, the promises that he's made for generations from the beginning of time. Promises he made to Adam and Eve in the garden. Promises he made to Abraham and Rebekah. Isaac and Sarah, Jacob and Rachel. It is a promise that he made to Moses and Israel in the wilderness. And a promise that he made to Jeremiah and Isaiah and all the prophets while Israel was in exile. It's a promise he makes to Elizabeth and Zechariah. And it's a promise he makes to Mary and Joseph. And it's a promise that he makes to you. That with the coming of the Messiah Jesus, at long last, the salvation of the world has come. <clears throat> so with this child comes the promise that every right will be wronged, every tear will be wiped away, and the world, which is forever tearing apart at the seams, at least it would appear so, will one day be made whole again. And with the birth of Jesus, the world will never be the same. It is the event in history of the world that all of the other events are judged against and judged according to. See, the news that God has come among us is a cause of celebration. It is the news by which we are not only to remember on this day, but all throughout our lives. Now, this morning we're concluding our series, which we began in Advent, called The Gospel According to Handel. We had a, the great joy and privilege of hosting Handel's Messiah just a few weeks ago. Handel's Messiah has been integral to the way the story of Advent and the story of Christmas and the larger story of Jesus has been told and celebrated for, um, since the uh, middle of the 18th century. So we've been looking at the scripture texts that, co that uh, comprise the beginning of Handel's Messiah and using them as a framework for re reflecting on the implications of Advent and Christmas. This morning, just briefly, we're going to look at uh, two more passages from Handel's Messiah. And I want to use them to explore the implications for us this morning, uh, the implications for Christmas and the birth of Christ. So we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, and Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30. So let's give our attention to God's word. Isaiah chapter 40. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms, and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. And then Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true and it's given to us in love. Would you pray with me? Our great God and Heavenly Father, as we gather this Christmas day, would you stir our hearts so that these words which are given to us to guide and direct us, to sustain us, to give us hope, that they would do exactly that. That you would open our eyes to see, you would open our ears to hear, and you would open our hearts. That we would know and rest upon the glorious words that you have come. You have come into our world to bring salvation, the salvation that we long for. Oh, Lord, may we behold it this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, one of the great things about this time of year is seeing people that you don't get to see very often. All the holiday parties, the Christmas parties, the New Year's parties, 
uh, all the great events leading up to this day, and that will continue on hopefully for the rest of the week, they're great excuses to connect with friends you haven't seen in a while, maybe even some family that come in town. And oftentimes what happens is when you see them uh, after a while, the first thing you do is notice how they might have changed. Now, of course, with kids, this is easy, right? You see a, a child you haven't seen in a while, and you can just talk about, my gosh, you've gotten so big. I can't believe how much bigger you are since when I last saw you. With adults, it's a little bit different. You have to use a little finesse when you address them. Uh, if you haven't seen them for a while, right? So you say things like, wow, you look great. You look like maybe you've been exercising. That's how I recommend uh, you greet each other if you haven't seen someone in a while. But one greeting that is given a lot, especially if you know this person well, maybe if you're seeing an adult child you haven't seen uh, in a while, or maybe if you're seeing a parent uh, perhaps you haven't seen or a close fr friend, uh, a greeting that is meant usually out of love but also out of concern is this. Wow, you look really tired. Are you okay? You look, you look kind of tired. Now, if you're like me, I bet you've both offered that word of greeting and also received that word of greeting uh, a time or two. In some ways, it can actually be nice to hear those words because you might be really tired. And a friend or a parent or uh, someone close to you, maybe even a congregant, uh, is simply acknowledging something that you know to be very true. You are, in fact, tired, physically, emotionally. And so it can be nice to be seen. But then there are the times when someone says, hey, you look really tired, and you don't think you're tired. You think you're managing life well. And that kind of greeting can come off as some sort of indictment or a little bit of an exposure. So you might respond, no, I feel fine, I'm good, I'm good. And then you think, and then it kind of goes back to, okay, well, anyway, well, how's the weather? This weather's cold, huh? But then you're left wondering. You're left wondering, do I look tired? Am I tired? Is there something going on that I'm not seeing that the other person who knows me so well is seeing? Now, I bring all that up because this passage out of Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 11, is Jesus' equivalent of saying to his disciples and saying to the larger group of followers and really saying to the world, including us this morning, you look really tired. That's what Jesus is saying this morning. Now, some who hear these words will be like that first group. Uh, to have someone tell you what you already know, that you are tired, it can be really refreshing. And it can be completely life-giving to be told that. Yet for others who think that you are doing just fine, thank you, being told that you are tired might come as an offense. But this is what Jesus says in this passage. He doesn't state it as a fact. He offers it as an invitation. And he also leads it to a promise and ultimately a gift. And this is why Christmas is such good news. The promised one, Jesus, doesn't just receive gifts, right? That's a story that we normally tell at Christmas, right? The three wise men coming bearing uh, frankincense and gold and myrrh. They give gifts to Jesus. But what I want you to see this morning is that the good news of Christmas is that this King Jesus comes also bearing gifts. He has gifts for you, and I want to look at two of them this morning. I want to explore the gift, uh, the two gifts of Christmas, the gift of rest and the gift of burden. The gift of rest and the gift of burden. First, the gift that Jesus gives, the gift of rest. In Matthew, 28, or Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, again, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, Jesus makes this invitation because he knows the people around him are so desperately in need of rest. And it's not just the disciples and his followers, it's everyone. 
even and perhaps especially those who don't think they need rest. In Jesus' time, this is the Pharisees. This is the Roman leaders. These are Jesus' enemies, his skeptics. Everyone is invited to enter into this rest. And everyone is invited because everyone needs it. The Bible talks a lot about rest because this is what, hap- this is what it means to be human. At our most basic level, we are creatures who have limits, and therefore we need rest. And so Jesus, in this passage, invites us to find our rest in him. And as he does that, his invitation is meant to be both an exposure of our need for rest, but also an acknowledgement for what we all know to be true, that we are tired. And all of us, every man, every woman, every child, no matter your background, whether you are a Christian or not, we are all seeking some sort of rest. And Christmas is the proclamation that the rest that you are looking for is here in this child, the Savior of the world. But we need this rest because we are physically limited. We are emotionally limited. We are relationally limited. And therefore, we require rest. And this is why it's woven into the very structure of the world. God introduces a Sabbath, one day out of seven, to rest so that we might delight in all that God has done. The Sabbath is meant to celebrate with God in his creation and to celebrate all the gifts that he offers. So all of this is in mind when Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Of course, the challenge we face is that while this is an invitation given to us by Jesus, it doesn't come very naturally to us. Even though we are tired, even though we face our limits, even though we are seeking some kind of rest, this kind of rest is not natural to us. Because the rest that we often seek and the rest that we try to produce is a rest where we rest on our own accomplishments. We rest in our ability to create a world for ourselves that is secure and safe and somehow manageable. In other words, we rest in our own power. We rest in our own work. But to rest in Jesus means that we do not find rest in ourselves. To rest in Jesus means that we find ourselves in a story that is much bigger than ourselves, much bigger than our accomplishments, much bigger than our failures, much bigger than our hopes and our fears. See, to take Jesus' invitation to rest in him means that we rest not because of what we do, not because of what we've accomplished in a week or in a month or not what you've accomplished this year. We rest not because we, our inbox, uh, our email inbox is somehow at zero, which is an impossibility anyway. We rest because the deeper reality of the world is that Jesus, the Son, is inviting you into his life by offering his life for your sake so that you can have real rest. There's something so beautiful about this invitation in verse 28. It's the assumption that we are tired. It's the knowledge that Jesus knows that we are tired. Because Jesus doesn't say, come to me all who are eventually going to need a break. It's not, it's not come to me, you're eventually going to need a breather. No, it's come to me all who are already and currently laboring and are heavy laden. All who are weighed down. All who are weighed down by the reality of the world and their place in it. All who are weary and broken by the burdens of guilt and shame. All who are living under the crushing pressure of expectations that are not your own. 
to everyone. Jesus says, I am the Savior of the world. I am the shepherd of the sheep. I know the ones I call. I know the ones I guide. And I know they need rest. I know you are weak. I know you have limits. I know you are exhausted. I know you are overwhelmed. Come to me. Listen again to Isaiah 40, verse 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms, and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. This is a shepherd who is offering rest. And so this morning, I want you to hear this invitation to rest. And I want you to realize that what is offered here is not an invitation to retreat from God. It is not an invitation to run and find your own space and collect yourself to disconnect for a few days at Christmas, only to, re, to re-emerge with new goals and a new vision for your life in the new year. That's not what this rest is. No, the invitation is for deeper communion with him, with the very one who calls you. And this is important because when we are tired, when we are overwhelmed, when we are in deep need of rest, so often our natural inclination is to retreat. It is self-preservation. And the first way we retreat is to retreat from God. But this instinct is wrong and it's dangerous because we can't find rest in ourselves. See, to look inward in order to find rest and peace only creates more exhaustion and more anxiety because it's an impossible task. See, Jesus comes to rescue you you from the unbearable and exhausting burden of the world that you are trying so hard to create the world that you are trying so hard to hold up and to prop up, the burden of self-creation, the burden of self-invention, self-preservation, the unbearable burden of keeping it all together. That's what Jesus is coming to rescue you from. It's an impossible task to put yourself at the center of the universe. And to do so means that it will eventually crush you. And one of the great challenges we face because we find ourselves in the late modern age is that this is where we are told exactly where we ought to be. We are told that we all ought to be at the center of our own world, the center of our own universe. We are told that we are enough. We are the center of our own story. And it's so common that it sounds so natural. It sounds so healthy and good. But it's just not true. And it doesn't lead to life and flourishing. It actually leads to bondage and to death. So take your clue from Christmas. The world remarkably actually slows down. It slows way down for this event in history. And it's not the warm sentimentality of a Hallmark movie or the Netflix Christmas movies that it slows down for. It slows down because Jesus' birth is at the center of the story of the world. And now here stands Jesus, inviting and welcoming rest offering you the gift of rest, the rest that only he can offer, rest that only he can give. But his rest is an invitation to communion, to find your shelter, your identity, your hope, in, not in yourself, but in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is why the church throughout her history has been at its most effective, has been its strongest in its witness, and then it's most welcoming to its neighbors when the Christians have humbly acknowledged their weakness and their need of rest. Because remember, it's not just you who are tired. You have to remember that your neighbors are tired too. The people who selectively post their most serene moments on Instagram, they're tired too. 
the people who annoy you most on the subway, they're tired too. Everyone who sent you a Christmas card this year, they're tired too. And especially the people who haven't gotten their Christmas cards out, who haven't gotten around to sending Christmas cards, they're tired too. And so on Christmas morning, we remember and celebrate the very thing we need is given to us as a gift. A Savior, gentle and lowly, who will go from a manger to a cross, to a grave, to ultimately the right hand of God. Jesus offers you rest. But I want you to see he not only offers you rest, but he also gives us this other gift, the gift of a burden. Now this is interesting in this passage from Matthew 11. Jesus, uh, the interesting thing about this passage, I always have found confusing, because right after Jesus invites, inv invites us to rest and offers us the gift of rest, he then says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is e easy and my burden is light. So now he's offering the gift of rest, but then he's also giving us a burden, a yoke. Now, I don't know if you've ever been given a Christmas gift that felt more like a burden than a gift. I have. Christmas 1984. Go back with me, if you will, to the ghost of Christmas past. Nine-year-old Chris, he wanted an Atari. He wanted an Atari really, really bad. But his parents, uh, Jim and Karen, decided to get him a, what we'll call a computer. It wasn't a computer. If you were alive back then, uh, it, was, it was more of like a keyboard that you plugged into what we'll call a TV. It would be unrecognizable as a TV to anyone uh, today. But these computers uh, required a, a whole programming language, and so you had to enter into this code. Well, I didn't know code, so my parents also very warmly and graciously gave me the gift of computer classes on Saturday mornings at Radio Shack for several Saturdays in a row where I had to learn computer programming with uh, a bunch of 30 and 40-year-old and 50-year-old people. It felt like a burden. Now, I would totally do the same thing to my children and have done the modern-day equivalent, of course. But as a nine-year-old, it felt like quite a burden. That, to me, at least, is what it sounds like, what Jesus is doing here. He's giving us a gift, a gift of rest and saying, also, here's this gift of a yoke, which is a, 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 which is a, a harness, a wooden harness you put on an animal to plow fields. He's saying, here, take this gift. And if you're really tired... Jesus offering you a yoke is the last thing you think you need, especially when what is making you most exhausted is the chaos of the world. And this, after all, is an exhausting time to live. But here's the point. You're already carrying a very heavy and burdensome yoke. A looming recession, a new, a new geopolitical battle is always emerging. It's an exhausting time to live in the modern age, and yet, Christ and yet Christmas calls us not to retreat, but to move into the world, just like Jesus does on this Christmas morning. He takes on flesh, and he moves into the neighborhood. And we, too, are called to love our neighbor and not to be overwhelmed by the exhausting realities of the world around us. And so in the same way, when we are exhausted, we tend to retreat from God. The other thing we tend to do is retreat from the world. We retreat from our neighbors. Because it just gets to be too much. There's too much unknown, too much danger, too much to risk in loving our neighbors. But Jesus here in offering this gift of his yoke is not telling us to escape. In fact, he's actually promising us to equip us for our labors. See, Jesus is saying once again, follow me, learn from me, 
Keep your eyes on me. He's promising his presence. He's promising to remove from you the impossibly heavy yoke that you are carrying, that weighs you down, and is giving you his light and his easy yoke, his light and beautiful burden. See, the one who loves you and knows you now says, come, follow me. I will lead you out into the world. Jesus, the gentle one. Jesus, the one who sees the lowly in heart. Jesus, the king and ruler of the cosmos. He promises his presence. He promises you his life as we live and as we serve and as we follow him. See, the rest that Jesus offers, the rest that he has secured allows us to love God and it also allows us to love our neighbors. And so this is how we look to our future together. And we start another calendar year, not exactly knowing what lies ahead. And yet here this morning, we find our joy and refreshment in Jesus by restructuring our lives, by our priorities, our energies, so that we can dwell with him and seek his rest. And as we do, he promises to equip us to move out into the world, to offer that same rest to our neighbors. So in your exhaustion, in your weariness, do not retreat. Do not retreat from God. Do not retreat from your neighbor, but seek Jesus. It's his rest you are looking for. It's his burden you need. And he offers it to you. He offers us these gifts because he loves us. Well, we're concluding this series on, uh, around Handel's Messiah. And one of the interesting things that occurred just a few weeks ago as we celebrated Handel's Messiah here on a, on a Friday evening was the fact that if you were to arrive here and come uh, up on 63rd Street before the concert, you would have seen just a glimpse of the chaos of the world. There was a, a political event uh, at the building next to us, and from that, and with that brought uh, police and barricades and protesters. And actually, as I walked up, 60, as I, I walked up uh, 63rd Street to come to that concert, I was kind of overwhelmed with sadness and grief. Because here it was, as we were, we're here to celebrate the Christmas and the coming Messiah, and all it was was chaos and anger. It was a microcosm of the world, the modern age in which we live. And yet, we all gathered here, those of us who were here, we filled up this, uh, this uh, sanctuary, and we listened to Handel's Messiah, the text that Charles Jennings put together, that Messiah, uh, that, that, that Handel then put to beautiful music, and we listened to these amazing musicians and these vocalists uh, perform and preach us the gospel in such a lovely way. And what we were doing really in that evening as the world around us was entered into chaos, was saying, don't mind us, we're just going to make beautiful music. We're just going to proclaim the gospel to ourselves and to the world. And what we were doing that night was living out what we've just been talking about. We were entering into the rest that is promised to us in Jesus. And we were taking upon, we were taking upon us his light and easy burden, laying down our heavy burdens and taking upon his easy yoke so that we would move out into the world, move out into the chaos of the world in which we live with this message that Christ has come and the world will never be the same. And we do the very same thing when we gather at this table. We come and we are fed by Jesus. We enter into his rest. He feeds us so that we might find our rest in him. And yet in this bread and in this cup is the promise that he puts his light and easy burden upon us and he equips us so that we can take this message of Christmas to the world around us.
There's no need to retreat. There's no need to retreat from God or from our neighbor because we have a shepherd. We have a king who equips us, who loves us, and gives us the gift of his rest and his burden. Let's pray. Our great God and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that on this day that we celebrate the gift of your coming, you offer us these gifts of rest and this gift of a, uh, of a light and easy yoke. And so, God, I pray that we would be a people who know how to receive these gifts, that we would find our rest not in ourselves but in you, and that we would unload our heavy burdens to take upon us your light and easy burden. And we would find our life and our hope and our joy in you. Oh, would you make that so this morning, this Christmas morning, all by the power of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.